Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the final edition of the How to Bet the Preakness Stakes podcast. Uh, we said the last edition was the final one, uh, but I had a fun idea. Uh, thought it'd be good to look back on, uh, unfortunately, what are not many successes, but uh, I think a big a big leak in a lot of people's uh, horse racing strategy, uh, trying to get better, uh, is there isn't a lot of discussion uh, of the aftermath. Uh, myself, uh, I enjoy playing poker, uh, not something I get to do nearly as often as racing, uh, but there is websites, there's a lot more resources dedicated to discussing hands, uh, what went right, what went wrong uh, in poker uh, than there is in racing, and uh, I never really understood that, and uh, racing isn't really conducive to going over every bet or every race, uh, just like poker isn't. But I do think it's important to take a look at key uh, races and, and strategies along the way and, and try to learn from it. And uh, I thought since these podcasts have been fairly popular, um, we have a while to go for the Belmont, uh, that this this would be a good way to sort of go into a couple weeks off before we tackle how to bet the Belmont stakes. So uh asked a good friend, Scott Shapiro, who does the picks for uh, Southern California as well as Indiana Grand and has provided some spotlight selections uh, for the Derby and Preakness uh, to join us. And unfortunately, I think he's in a similar boat to me uh, when it comes to the big races, although he's had a a better, bigger day uh, than me at least uh, this past weekend. So uh, hopefully we'll have some success to share. So we'll bring him on and uh, get the conversation going. Scott, how are you? Doing well, Ed. Thanks for having me back. Uh, a little more heartbreaking for you in terms of the Preakness with your horse running his race and doing what you predicted versus um, me having a good day overall. But um, to, to put it lightly, I came up empty in the Preakness. I, I'm still waiting for a few of my horses uh, to finish, I think. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll get to that uh, for sure. I, I know uh, – you and I both uh, varying degrees ran, ran back some of our derby opinions uh, in the Preakness. And, uh, you know, in the description, um, I said that, you know, basically with betting there's, you know, mistakes, uh, whether it's in handicapping or wagering, uh, there's there's variance. I mean, no one you, – you're not going to be right every time. Um, and, you know, even if you're a big chalk player and you can pick, you know, 33% winners – um, you know, two-thirds of the time you're going to be wrong. So four-ninths of the time you're going to be wrong twice in a row and exponentially. It's 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 tough to go on a run, even, you know, if you're a favorites player, let alone someone who maybe reaches a little bit for the big score. So, you know, variance certainly a part of any discussion. Uh, and then I thought, for me, this was sort of the tale of, of the Derby and Preakness so far. Bad handicapping, poor wagering strategy, 
uh, and then just being wrong. And I, I kind of feel like I was just wrong. Um, you know, in the, the Derby, I didn't like always dreaming. That was wrong. Uh, in the Preakness, I didn't like cloud computing. That was wrong. Uh, when I look at my wagering strategy, uh, I would I would feel like I would have bad strategy if I somehow picked the Preakness. I did not like cloud computing to win. Um, and, yeah, like Classic Empire, I mean, maybe I could have backwheeled or something silly like that. But to me, I didn't – my bets were fine. I just – didn't like the horse and he won and that happens in racing there's yeah there's nothing that i could have done in either race uh really without an extreme you know the preakness like there's nothing i could have done given my handicapping of the race in terms of wagering strategy to have been successful i know that you know there can be debates between what's more important if they're equal if you know being a, a good better is more important than being a a good handy, you know, an expert handicapper or vice versa. Uh, you could argue in the Kentucky Derby with a big bankroll that I, you know, I did like battle of midway to run underneath. Maybe I could have come up with something on a large spread if I wasn't against always dreaming, but in the Preakness stakes, it's just one of those situations where I was so wrong that, you know, the only thing I did right was uh, limit my bankroll, which is something that I said all along. Um, I think I had maybe one right opinion and, and that was, you know, that a 10 to one shot was out, was outclassed and, and conquest more money. And other than that, it was, you know, it was a great race. It was great to see the best uh, rider in, in the country uh, put on a clinic. And um, I enjoyed it from that perspective, but uh, I was completely clueless. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was, I would say a little more right uh, in that the horse I thought would win, uh, you know, ran, what may have been a winning race other years, but um, I, I don't mind missing the race. I mean, I, I bet it that either Classic Empire would win, uh, and if he had, I, I would have been rewarded, uh, or that Gunavera uh, was my, you know, trifecta key. And I, I guess maybe if it, maybe if he had been third, not that he was ever, you know, close to that, um, I, I think I would have had something where because having key classic empire with Gunavera, but you know to me that's an example of using my opinion on Gunavera, and, and it, it didn't come in but like I said actually like you said uh, I, I limited my exposure I definitely didn't feel like I went over the top with how much I played and uh, you know I was wrong and I you know lost the, the amount I was comfortable losing uh, given my my opinion but uh, in some ways I mean this could have been a been a situation where I put two three hundred dollars into the trifecta and wouldn't add cloud computing on top and senior investment in third by any stretch uh and and I would have lost you know even more so uh i am I'm happy about that i guess yeah your opinions weren't weren't off i mean classic empire was you know you could argue the best horse in the race or you know clearly one of the best two and did everything that you would hope he did uh, other than get, get tired late. And Gunavera, you know, actually I thought Mike Smith gave a great ride. He, had, he got the horse into a great spot. And, I mean, he was, you know, it was a blank. I just watched the race a few more times before we came on, and it, it was a blanket finish um, back there. So your opinions were much stronger than mine. I mean, when Gunavera is your best opinion for me, um, you know it was, it was a tough one. 
Um, but yeah, I think Gunavera, <laughs> I think Gunavera uh, is, is definitely a quality horse. I'm looking forward to them uh, hopefully cutting him back to like a one-turn mile type race. Maybe he can do a mile and a 16th because I think he has talent, but he kind of loomed up in the race and I really got excited for a split second before I saw cloud computing kind of emerge that he was the chance to, to you know, I, I thought it was a great ride by Smith. The horse just did, you know, it's not a mile and a 316 horse, but yeah, your opinions far, far outweighed mine. That's for sure. Now, one thing I was, one thing I do like to do after races like this is, is think about some opinions I did have and maybe how that could have got me to, uh, to, to finding a winning ticket. And, I mean, tell me what you think of this. Not saying it's something you should do going forward, but, I mean, maybe to, to think about. I mean, it seemed like there was a lot of a lot of agreement, you know, even among people who maybe disagreed who was the better option. But basically that Always Dreaming and Classic Empire, both legitimate, both had run, you know, two of the best races in the Derby, and it, it seemed likely that one of them for sure was going to fire their shot. And the way I was looking at the math is basically, okay, if you think there's, you know, two-thirds of a chance that they're going to be first or second, uh, th that's only a, a 44 45% chance that they both will. Um, so that means, you know, more than half the time one of them is going to be out of first or second. And a 4-5 with all with all trifecta, throwing out the two favorites in second and third and then playing the same ticket all with four or five with all and throwing them out of the all spot, so it's really all the, those two, uh, is 112 bucks. And the trifecta for 50 cents paid 548, which is a little less than four to one. Not great, but, I mean, I was just thinking that something along those lines, you know, for future races where you think there's a good chance one of them might run, one of them might not. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts in playing around with things like that where your strong opinion is more about sort of playing against the chalk-chalk mentality? I think it could make sense if you're just looking at it from a gambling perspective. The only problem with that is you're basically relying on them both finish, one finishing out of the money. Um, you know, which maybe you believed it, maybe you didn't. I know uh, most people probably did not. I know there were some people that, you know, had always dreamed in looking at Todd Pleasure's stats, thought he was going to bounce to the moon. Um, there were people like myself that thought Classic Empire might regress off the hard derby. But to me, you know, that's, that's to use all-all and things like that um, with using two horses in a slide is a little – it's not enough handicapping for me. You know, I, 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 I'd like to be a smart gambler, but in the end, I, I try to, to make, you know, to make my profits based on my handicapping a little more than that. But your math makes sense. Again, though, you know, you're basing any profits that you might get on those who want, you know, not only them being out of first or second, but to me being out of the trifecta, even if the other one, because you essentially got almost close to a best case scenario based on the, what you were, would have hoped for, because you got the second choice to run second, which is the best case, right? And then you've got the second longest shot on the board to run third, and you've got, you know, the fifth choice to run first. So, you know, you're getting your best case scenario and you're still only getting four to one. How many times is that going to happen if you kind of 
look at it from a, a larger sample and just a strictly numbers point of view. Right. Yeah, and, and that's uh, somewhat along those lines. I mean, yeah, this, you know, other than like senior investment winning, but I mean, yeah, this is pretty much as, as good as you're going to get. Uh, my issue with it um, and why, I mean, it's one of those that sounds good after the fact, but, you know, is a, is a better and sort of the, the thrill I chase for the entertainment value. Um, the reason I would probably shy away from it, even if it looks like it works more often than it doesn't, is uh, for me, if, if I'm putting that kind of capital and using all, I really want to give myself, a, you know, at least some chance, at, you know, the bust open, uh super signer, you know, 5,000 plus ticket. Um, and this doesn't do that because you're still going to have one of the chalks first or second. Um, so that's my issue with it. Um, you know, I don't mind, uh, I mean, as you know, if I think a horse is, should be three to five and he's even money, I don't mind a, a win bet. I mean, I'll push the edge. Um, but to me, there's just so much other stuff involved here where, I really want to be have a chance at being really compensated well, um, you know, if things fall into place. I agree, and I think it's um, one of the flaws if you want to take it to a you know a different style of bet that people make with a pick four, pick five type wager is using an all in the case where there's really no chance to bust open, like you just mentioned with the superfecta. So, for instance, a six horse field where it's two to one and five to one across the board, you're probably better off using it all in a situation where you might be against the favorite and have a chance to bust out as opposed to buying a race where there's really very little upside. And there's also a lot of people that are going to make, have the same mentality. So I'm with you. If I'm spreading the way you are, um, you know, way, the way you discussed um, with that game plan of, of singling or keying the two favorites for first and second, I, I need to have more upside. I need to, I would do that in a situation where maybe I have one of the favorites and a long shot in that situation. Um, because then, like you said, you're still giving yourself a chance to score out. You're really, you know, somewhat limited in, in what you can, what you can profit by spending that much and relying on favorites to come through for you. Yeah. And, and beyond these races, just day to day, -to -day playing one thing I I'm really trying to, you know, as I, fill out my grids and think about my multi-race strategy uh, track to track is, uh, you know, I'm not, not opposed to all by any means, but um, I really think, you know, even if there's a, like to me, if there's a horse, let's say that, you know, oh, I think this horse should be six to five or seven to five and he's going to be four to five or even money. I mean, that, that is an underlay for sure. But to me, going all in a race like that where you think the, the favorite who's going to really suppress your payouts has a 50% chance of winning uh, or, you know, 40%, um, that's almost you're better off passing or just figuring out a different way to leverage your opinion uh, because, you know, 40% of the time you've multiplied the cost of your ticket by, you know, 6, 8, or 10, depending on the size of the field, and uh really just gutting your payout if what you think is most likely to happen does in fact happen. So that's something I've been watching for more lately is, you know, someone who likes singles and likes building around them, uh, but at the same time, you know, avoiding that $60, 
pick four ticket on a single uh, and then, you know, staring down will pays that are half that because it chalked out. And you're yeah, not surprised you're not... it chalked out. It's, it's one thing to take a stand against a two to five, but, I mean, if you think they're legitimately the big favorite, uh, that's, you know, you have some decisions to make. Yeah, I think it's always good to consider – uh, what you just said, especially, okay, so if you're using all in a race where, where like what you just mentioned, where there's going to be an even money, maybe you either leave the favorite out, you single the favorite, or you, you avoid the sequence. Um, using all, you know, like you said, you can really hurt your payouts. But I mean, or in a situation like you just mentioned, where you're concerned about a chalking out, you can also just limit your budget compared to what it would normally be. And then maybe either single the favorite that you're not super confident in or take a mini stand against them, but play a smaller ticket to where, okay, like I'm not investing my normal amount of money. If this hits, it'll really work out for me with my top, you know, for as, as you use you know, the, the uh, ABC stuff. If all my A's come in today, you know, I'm going to hit, but I'm going to, you know, save my larger budget for a day, you know, using the full ABC grade when I really think there's a better chance of this, you know, uh, coming into a bigger payout. All right. Well, uh, now it's time for the, the negative, but you and I both uh, need to come to terms with the fact that we, uh, we touted hence in both of these races. <laughs> Did he finish it? <laughs> I was waiting to do the call until he did. So, yeah, he finally got, got across. But, oh, okay, cool. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, the Derby, I mean, there's excuses. I'm being a little dramatic, but um, there were others out there that definitely didn't like this horse and understand the love for him. Um, I got a little off in the Preakness just because um, – with the shorter field, I felt like Classic Empire at whatever, you know, price he was, although two-to-one was a little lighter than I thought uh, going into Preakness Week. But, um, you know, I kind of felt like he needed to take a few more stands when the Derby, it's like, hey, these are horses that are going to outrun their odds. And um, nevertheless, though, as, as you commented to me privately, um, you know, not not our, our greatest picks, uh involving hens for sure yeah i i you know i obviously at this point the, there's two things but you know that, that are obvious the sunland derby is not a key race as it, many discussed it and, and not necessarily why i like this horse personally but um you know irap was 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 terrible um after that bluegrass performance that somehow came up massive on numbers but visually was unimpressive um at least to my eye and then, hence, I could still go back to the Kentucky Derby and, and give him a pass. Granted, it would have been nice to see him run a better race, even with the adverse conditions. But when I saw where he was, uh, where Giroux got him in, you know, uh, in the Preakness, where he had, he had, he got, you know, he wasn't all the way in the back. He looked great on the track coming into the race. I thought as good as I've seen him look. Um, and he just, he just isn't that good, I guess. And and you just have to wonder. I really liked your angle on um, Steve Asmussen running him back in two weeks when he already had a, a real shot or a significant shot with looking at Lee, who obviously he's going to run back if the horse is doing well off the second in the Derby. Um, and he run 10th anyway, but, you know, now that looking at the, the results and seeing that Calumet 
ran ninth and tenth. You just have to wonder if, if the ownership had some somewhat of a push. But but no excuses here. Uh, you know, the only thing I'll say is when you bet fifteen and twenty to one shots, they're they're oftentimes not going to fire or not not run to what you hope. But to to play the horse back uh, or to use the horse back like I did, yeah, I was alive for $17,000 to him in the freakness. But, you know, anybody can be, uh, you know, alive to a $17,000 payout to a horse that has no shot, I guess. So uh, very disappointing effort from both myself and from Hens. Yeah, and I I think, uh, you know, usually I'm pretty or try to be in tune with owner and trainer intent, and we certainly uh, could probably name a few trainers uh, who – we just say, oh, well, he likes to dance the dance uh, and wouldn't have, have put much credence into it. But I, I do think it's uh, probably on to something with maybe the owner wanting to be involved uh, as much as the trainer. And, you know, we'll see looking at Lee and the Belmont. So um, see, we'll have uh, have one in all three races, and that'll be looking at Lee. Uh, and we'll see where, where Hence ends up from here. Uh, another thing I thought interesting about this Preakness, to me, very similar uh, to last year's, in fact, um, I thought, you know, in, in the 2016 Derby, I remember saying to a few people, if, you know, this were the type of, of day where it's just, you know, made, basically gamblers playing, there absolutely would have been front-end bias, and we'd be talking about how Exaggerator ran the best race, and, you know, there there was some of that discussion. I'm not saying it. I was the only one who thought that. But a little more subdued because it's the Derby. Uh, and I felt sort of the same thing was in play this year, uh, more with the rail than a front-running bias. But, you know, Always Dreaming got the best trip. And, you know, he figured to be overbet off a Derby win. And, you know, 6-5 to five ended up being a little longer than I expected. But it, it seems like people definitely – even forgetting that it's the Derby and they're going to overvalue it anyway, it does seem like in this recent stretch with favorites, people really go nuts thinking, oh, they were the favorite and they won. They must really be the best. And I'm not sure that's the case. Yeah. I, I, it's hard for me to uh, to admit that I was you know so wrong. I mean, normally it's not a horse that I would jump on, but it clearly um, the tracks definitely played different and, and clearly you have to respect um, anyone that was, you know, hell-bent on the idea that, um, which was most of us, you know, to an extent or a greater extent or less to some, but that thought that there was the inside part of the track was better in the Derby because, you know, always dreaming, you know, didn't fire. And, you know, that could have been for several reasons, but he obviously was moved forward off of that trip. And then looking at Lee had an opposite trip where he had to swing wide in this race and everybody thought it was, the, you know, one of the best, rides and trips ever in a derby along the rail and it probably was although you know he ran a somewhat similar race didn't quite have the punch and then you look at the horses that you know classic empire for the main horse and even gunnabara to an extent had different trips than they had in a derby and weren't on the good part of the track and and they ran uh and they ran well from uh you know they ran better uh than they did especially classic empire who you know, and I would like, I think you could make the case, though, in the preakness that both of the top two horses got perfect trips as well. Um, so it's really been, I guess, you know, it, it goes to show in many ways when there's not dominant horses, that trip really does make the race. Um, because, you know, cloud computing had the best trip. And, you know, we, there's debate over a classic empire's ride, which I think is, 
you know, ridiculous, but, but he had the second best trip at the worst, if not equally the best. So um, it's interesting. It certainly is. And, you know, you have to, the, the Derby could be a real outlier this year with the way that track played. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping uh, we get back to, to good weather and, and the fast track uh, on Derby. I, I guess, uh, I mean, it just seems like whether, I mean, maybe Derby Day is nice and it's fast, but I can't remember the last time there's been consistent good weather uh, from the middle of the week through Derby. Um, so, you know, you're dealing with drying out tracks and, uh, you know, we all know Churchill does a great job and the maintenance crew there second to none, but they've, they've faced every challenge uh, known uh, that you could, it seems, uh, year to year. So hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get, get a fast track and it'll be the same track for everyone throughout the, the latter part of training. And, um, you know, I mean, the, the Derby is, is always uh, exciting regardless of that, but it, it just seems like the last two years especially, and then even back to Orb, it rained his Derby, and, and he took advantage of the best trip and, you know, pretty much no-showed the Preakness. Um, you know, it, it's different. It's it's not maybe, the like you said, it, it lends to maybe having an outlier. So um, that that's something to keep in mind, though, if we keep getting this funky weather uh, whether it's Derby Week or Pimlico, uh, to you know adjust accordingly and you know be able, be willing to not necessarily think the winner was best. Yeah, it, it's it's one of the you know the most frustrating thing to me about non-Southern California racing, even though it rained out here in the winter. But that's my you know one of my absolute favorite parts about covering and being out here is that you almost are guaranteed. Uh, you know, after the first few months of the year that you're going to have fast tracks every day. It makes every race you watch meaningful for the next race as well. The tracks are very similar from day to day, week to week, month to month. And it can be frustrating. And it's also very frustrating as a handicapper, uh, especially when you have to do it a couple days in advance to, you know, try to take into account weather, but assume that it's going to be fast and, you know, it just it there's nothing it doesn't add to anything for me. I'm not a big believer, you know, in in mud ratings or you know mud pedigree. Even though I am on other things, it's it's not something I've ever had much much luck in or much enjoyment in taking part in. So I'm I'm hopeful that it, you know in the short term that we get good weather in New York in three weeks or you know two and a half weeks wherever we're at right now. And you know, I mean, I'm not gonna. It's definitely. Something I know everybody wants to share the breed, you know Breeders Cup nationwide, but to me it's the it's the number one reason why I, I you know am, am a proponent of having it in California every year. It has nothing to do with me being out here. I you know I could live in any state in America, but but the poor weather really does take away from a big day in many ways. I, I you know and anyone that says otherwise, I just think is is being overly optimistic. Yeah, it's, it's a downer. Uh, yeah, I I can't. I mean, I can't disagree about the weather being a downer. I will say I don't support uh, the the Breeders' Cup in one spot, but certainly Cal to me, California needs to be a a part of the heavy rotation. Um, sure. I I I would wait it. Uh, you know that that they they get it more often uh, for sure, but. Um, yeah, the, the bad weather is it's just such a downer. Um, 
and you know, for the horsemen too, they put a lot of effort into it, and um, you know, some excel in, in the slop, and you know, probably aren't disappointed with that. But with the Derby, it's you know, there's so many other variables, and then to throw that in there, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it's not as fun. That's how I feel. I agree. Yeah, and, and you know, I—it's I, not like I would, you know, go on a uh, big rampage to say it should be in California every year, but it's just in the back of your head. And I mean, I remember the one in Monmouth, and it's just there's such a good chance that time of year. Um, not being a meteorologist or anything, but it just seems at certain times of the year it seems almost impossible to get a week straight of good weather. And like you said, it's it's not always just about the the day of racing, but it's about the you know the, the training leading up to it as well so everybody's training over the same track and we're reading you know whether you believe in workout reports and things like that or not it's just it it just makes it a handy as a handicapper it just makes things that much easier because you're all you know on big days it's it's already so many good horses you know running that you know you need enough things to go right um and it's far from sour grapes i, I don't use the weather as an excuse for anything uh especially these last two triple crown races just in terms of enjoyment and being able to be more accurate, I, you know, the, the good weather is certainly appreciated. Well, uh, we do turn the page uh, to the Belmont, a little bit of a breather compared to the, the Derby Preakness din, but uh, any early thoughts uh, on the Belmont and its field? Well, you know, I know it's, what's, what's going to take place. It seems like they're going to, you know, not, not, not that I've spoken to the, the connections by any stretch of, of classic empire, but it would seem to me that the way they've, um, the way that they've gone about business with this horse, that they're probably going to want to go to the Belmont. I think if they win the Belmont, they, they take, you know, the lead for sure as a top three-year-old without going to the Belmont, they really uh, are, are one of many that have, have an argument um, for that spot. Um, so I think that they're, you know, and they definitely take it on all challenges, which is great for the sport, the Cassies that is. And, you know, I think what we're going to see is the, the majority of the public is going to, you know, bet classic empire. And from what I see, you know, the majority of, of horse players that play every day are going to, as usual, take a shot against a short price in the Belmont. You know, I, I, I struggle a tiny bit. If your reasoning for classic empire, not getting the mile and a half is that he got, tired at a mile and a three sixteenths because he's not going to have to go, um, that, that, you know, 46, um, you know, and change for the, for the half, it's going to or you wouldn't think he would, it's going to be a different style of race. But when you look at the horse, you seriously have to question whether he's a mile and a half horse. So, um, I think I heard you on, um, with, uh, Vance today on turf talk, discussing how you're, um, intrigued by, uh, Epicharis, um, which is interesting. I, you know, I think I would need a, a, a pretty darn good price, uh, and he might be the second choice at this point. And maybe I'm maybe I'm off on that, but um, you know I'm going to give a look to uh, Tapperet, who I like in the um, in the Kentucky Derby, who I thought ran a, a better better race than it came back on paper. He actually tried to win the race, and I think he's a pretty good horse. But but right now, you know, I'm going to kind of see how the landscape shakes out. You know, it doesn't seem like Cloud Computing will be will be in the race, but obviously if he is that as to the intrigue of it. But, you know, uh, I, I'd like to, you know, I hear people kind of, you know, down on the, on the deal, or, you know, without the big horse in it and whatnot. But but that day of racing is so good that, to me, the Belmont, of course, is the big, you know, the headliner. 
But with the, you know, the Met Mile has always been one of my favorite races. You have the Ogden Phipps, which could have Songbird in it. It seems to me that's the way they're leaning. Um, you have the Woody Stevens, the Just a Game. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically a, a, a Breeders' Cup level card from the, you know, from the start of it to the end of it. And I think it's going to be great to handicap. And like you said, we're going to get to you know, go over maybe more than just the, the Triple Crown race on um, one or two of the podcasts, which will be great. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to jump on Empire, uh, Classic Empire, you know, at four to five or even money or whatever he's going to be now. But, but I don't think it's, you know, I kind of like the way they've, they've been aggressive with this horse. And I would have no problem seeing him win it, and, you know, adding to the intrigue as we – head to the summer into the, uh, you know, the Travers and, and the races before that. Yeah, I'm definitely concerned uh, about his, his price. Uh, I mean, everyone knows knows I'm a fan and, and had no problem with uh, his odds in the last two. But, um, you know, I'm always nervous when horses basically, to me, are sort of favorites by default. Um, and he's, you know, clearly – you know, maybe you'd say, well, his best is the best of these, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely nervous about what kind of price to take. And, uh, you know, at the Karras, uh, if he's training well, um, again, that's sort of almost a by default. He might end up being the wise guy horse. So uh, I'm, I'm eager to, to dive into the race as the field develops. I think they're might be some opportunities. I mean, I see horses like Senior Investment and looking at Lee potentially being over bet. Um, that running style is very difficult to, you know, win at Belmont, but they both, you know, had their days in the sun uh, or at least in partial shadow uh, by clunking up and hitting the board in, in the Preakness and, and Derby. And, and those types, to me, don't excite me in the Belmont. So, you know, it's see see how people are going to go in the race and maybe make a case for zigging in another direction. But, uh, yeah, those are my early thoughts given the, the field. But, you know, certainly that day of racing, um, you know, I think now that Belmont does a pick five uh, on the bigger cards, having that as an option into the Belmont stakes uh, I think is going to be, you know, really enjoyable. Uh, so that's a bet I'm looking to, to dig into on Belmont Day. Yeah, that's that's about one of the more exciting more exciting wagers that there uh, is all year to me. Um, it, it'll be great. And like you said, I think that you did bring up a good point on two horses that I think will get played. You know, over bet. Um, you know, probably. But even even if not over bet in the wind pool, they'll definitely be used more than I will be using them. And that's the closers from the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness Stakes. You know, the myth uh, that, you know, the, the further they go, the more um, it'll help a horse out that was closing late. And I, I heard Channing Hill, the jockey of senior investment, kind of saying that his horse just got going in the last furlong or two in the Preakness and, you know, that he'll thrive with a mile and a half. And, you know, I, I don't I don't ride horses and don't claim to know more than Channing Hill about that stuff. But, but it just seems to me that those horses um, are not the right way to go. And especially... Um, at this point, you know, who's the pace in the race? I mean, I know we're way out, but um, it doesn't look to be a, like a race that's going to be loaded with front-end types. So that's definitely an angle that I'll be looking to take advantage of in that race. And, you know, I, I don't know if I can just toss Classic Empire like other people do. I very well might. 
But uh, there should be some opportunity. I mean, last year I was terrible in the, in the Derby and the Preakness for the most part. Um, not terrible. I mean, I ran second in, in, in the Derby with Exaggerator. But, uh, but in the Belmont, I, you know, I, I, I had the first, second, and fourth in, at prices. So maybe, uh, maybe I can redeem myself again uh, at Big Sandy. And, um, you know, I lo- I'll look forward to that day, and I'll look forward to seeing this field take shape. Yep, I'm looking forward to it too. And yeah, uh, last year the Belmont uh, was by far my my best performance. Uh, and I actually, I think, uh, well, the Preakness I mostly missed because um, Cherry Wine I had nowhere, and the, the Derby I loved <laughs> Exaggerator. I had I loved Exaggerator as well, but um, unfortunately the the way I played it and he was keyed up and down, um, but chalk on top and third choice and third, uh, I, I lost money even though I, you know, quote, hit. Uh, but the Belmont was better. So hopefully this year we get similar redemption after two rough, uh, for me, opening legs of the Triple Crown, but uh, plenty, of, plenty of good racing uh, between now and then. And, of course, at Belmont, which I'll be there. Uh, you'll be in California tracking your spotlight plays. Uh, we'll look forward to talking about it in the coming weeks. Sounds good. Yeah, it should be uh, it should be great, and we do have a uh, big weekend of racing here at uh, Santa Anita coming up uh, with the Gamely and um, just a, a number of uh, quality graded stakes races. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting back to the local flavor, being the uh, you know the the most important thing, and, and not juggling you know the multiple tracks. But uh, it's been a great you know as much as as much as we have profited uh, by any stretch in the first two legs. It's been enjoyable uh, discussing them and hopefully at least some of the ideas we've thrown out there, whether it be in, in helping wagering or uh, just, you know, sometimes you can, you know, I mentioned Battle of Midway a couple times and, you know, one or two people said they, you know, hit the super because of, you know, partially because of that. So hopefully just little things you can take away from it, even if we are uh, off on our main opinions. Yeah, I got I got a note from someone uh, saying she had uh, heard me a couple times, uh, not you know not really advocating for for boxing horses, basically splitting your opinion up and you know doing more of a key with who you felt stronger about, and then playing that with you know the the horses who were left, and um, that resonated. And uh, you know, even though we we disagreed, because she she hit the Derby, and I wasn't close with those top three. Um, she wouldn't have had it if, if she had boxed, uh, you know, all of them, because that wouldn't have been affordable anyway. But um, so yeah, I mean, stuff like that. that. That to me was the point of this going in is you know talking about the wagering strategy, and you know, a lot of people are going to disagree on picks and stuff. Um, and that you know that's. Part of the fun of the game, though, is putting your opinions into action and hopefully coming out on top. So maybe our day will be in 19 days. Yeah, well, let's hope so. I mean, it certainly uh, it certainly wasn't on Saturday, you know, the Derby. And and, and the one thing is, is if you're if you're like uh, Ed and myself, and especially myself, who really did not have much to root for in either of the stretch drives of the the races, just remember that you know these are some of the more difficult races to handicap during the year. Don't get down on yourself. Um, you know, you always want to tip your cap to the people that were right in these races, but whenever there's a number of a number or all the horses trying something new for the first time, um, it certainly takes a, a, a bit of uh, a bit outside of the normal handicapping luck uh, 
to get it done. And yeah, if you had Classic Empire in the Preakness or, you know, if you had Classic Empire in the Derby, both of those, you know, you didn't get the, the, the luck on your side. Uh, personally, it wasn't luck for me. It was poor handicapping. But, um, you know, don't be too down on yourself if you were wrong in these races. They are some of the more uh, difficult and challenging races of the year, even though they get the biggest spotlight. Absolutely. Well, and uh, part of that challenge is making sure you're rewarded. Uh, another reason why, you know, I think it's important to take stands and uh, be willing to be wrong because uh, you want to put yourself in that position for, you know, a $75,000 super with the favorite on top. Uh, like that happened in the Derby or, you know, even even Preakness, uh, you know, if you had any sort of feeling for cloud computing or um, were on the right horses to, you know, get in the mix and threw a few out, I mean, that, that try was was pretty generous with, you know, the obvious second choice on the board. I thought it was, you know, okay. I mean, you needed an opinion with Classic Empire, but, um, I mean, normally something like that probably pays half that. Uh, on a typical day. So there are opportunities. Uh, we'll continue to look for them uh, in the Belmont Stakes, and Scott, hopefully you'll join me that week. I definitely look forward to it, Ed. All right, Scott Shapiro, everyone. I'm Ed DeRosa. Uh, appreciate everyone listening to these podcasts. Uh, we will be back for the Belmont. Uh, looking forward to seeing those fields take shape uh, for their big festival uh, to support Belmont Week. Uh, Scott said plenty of grade one action, plenty of guaranteed pools. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, check us in a couple weeks and look forward to talking to you then.